We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The names behind the numbers. The stories behind the names. This is the Her Hoop Stats Podcast with John Little. The work is going to be, can we walk it when we go back to our normal way of living? And that's going to be the part that's going to be a testament. It feels different. So I guess we'll have to see uh, what true progress is going to be made. The biggest newsmakers, the best storytellers, the Her Hoop Stats podcast. Here's your host, John Little. Welcome into the Her Hoop Stats podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm your host, John Little. Really appreciate you joining the show for episode number 84. It's a special one. It's an important one with former LSU, Chicago Sky, and Indiana Fever head coach Pokey Chapman. Really looking forward to sharing this with you and going back and listening to it. uh, There are a lot of great things to take out of this conversation. I feel blessed that she had it with me. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, We had a very pertinent conversation as well on our Unplugged podcast this past week with Erica McCall along with her dad, Greg McCall, there as well to chat with Aaron Barzilai and Megan Gower. A thought-provoking 45 minutes to an hour of conversation about race relations, about what it's like growing up and being African-American in this country. And it's just one of the things that right now we're trying to get out of our comfort zone as a stats website, as a site that, yes, does champion women's basketball, and we're always trying to push marginalized groups, right? Well, even so, this has been a challenge for us, and we've tried to take it head on, and I'm really proud that we've been able to have that conversation. And not only have I had the pleasure of speaking with Coach Chapman, but then also a couple other coaches out there in women's college basketball, in Jaylee Mitchell, the head coach at the University of North Texas, Mean Green, and also Sue Samrao, the head coach of Florida State, about their feelings 
after the death of George Floyd, their feelings after a very important but exhausting week, I think, for all of us in this nation and what needs to happen from here. I'm really looking forward to bringing those to you. A reminder, just rate and review the podcast. If you've never done that before for us on Apple Podcasts, it really helps us. So many of you have, dozens of you have, and I appreciate it. Uh, Just a quick reminder, as we continue to gain followership, if you've never done that before for us, it really helps out a lot. Just give it a quick rating, uh, a quick review. That's all I ask. And then, of course, subscribe to the podcast on the platform of your choice to make sure you get every new show. There are going to be some very important ones coming up here, and there will be for hopefully years to come as well. Pokey Chapman is our guest, the former head coach of the Indiana Fever, and we go into just lightly her dismissal and her feelings about that and what she's doing with that. But she was so gracious to want to have a conversation with us during this tough time about just her feelings about the death of George Floyd, about what's going on in this country, about how she's handled it with former players who have reached out to her during this time. And I'm really appreciative to her for spending so much time with us on this subject. It's our first ever chance to get to talk to Coach Chapman in this setting, our interview with Pokey Chapman. I'm great, John. Uh, Thanks for having me. Just like everyone else, just trying to navigate these new times, but uh, doing it with a positive attitude. Uh, Well, I appreciate that. I can appreciate that for sure. We talked to you on June the 3rd, about uh, a week and a half into uh, what has been a pretty consistent unrest since the death of George Floyd. How did what happened on that uh, afternoon in Minneapolis, how did it impact you? Wow. You went right to it, huh? <laughs> uh, no, listen, um, you know, it's heavy. Um, you've probably spoken to a lot of people, and it's not to minimize any other uh, unfortunate African-American that's fell victim to some of the systemic injustices. It's just so heavy. I, I think you think about, you know, we're all home. We're all dialed in. Uh, people aren't going about their normal business. I think that plays a part in it. Uh, personally, I'm in the city of New Orleans where the pandemic hit really, uh, COVID hit really early and it was a hot spot. Uh, buried a relative. You just have all these emotions in it, you know, to sit there and, and watch uh, a human being lose his life on air. I felt like I was watching a movie, uh, but unfortunately it wasn't. So that heaviness, it hasn't faded. It hasn't faded. Uh, and it's just conjured up uh, a lot of positive things, although tough things, to help move forward. And not, not necessarily just myself, just with, you know, people that are struggling to find answers for where we are. No, I hear you completely. And I, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that you had lost somebody to COVID-19. So my condolences to you and your family. Um just horrible. And, I, you know, I think that, you know, you said there are some good things to come out of it. And I totally hear what you're saying. You know, I wonder if our hearts are more open and they're more pliable right now, just because as a nation, we're going through this COVID-19 tragedy. And then and then we see this. Look, and, and I answered that in the context of you asking me how I was doing. And, and, and I think each, you know, item needs to get its full attention. And um, I, I'm really dealing with how I'm moving forward through these tough times. And look, a lot of people have lost, you know, loved ones. 
Um, it's just one of those things on the backdrop of George Floyd and, you know, the, the, the snail's pace at which uh, he was arrested. Then, you know, obviously eventually charged. Uh, it just it weighed heavy on me uh, like the rest of the world. But listen, it's a lot easier because we're forced to be in and uh, not a lot to do. A lot of people are shut in to, to be woke and to, um, you know, have conversations or post things. But the work is going to be and can we walk it when we go back to our normal way of living? And that's going to be the part that's going to be a testament. It feels different. Uh, uh, so I, I guess we'll have to see uh, what true progress is going to be made. I hear you there the, that we have to walk it. You know, if you had a team to gather in right now uh, around you, whether it be a college team or a pro team, what do you think your message would be? How would you approach that as a coach? Well, I, I think you just approach it, you know, like the family that you create in that environment. Uh, it's not necessarily about just my message because it hits different people at different angles. I think you just create a safe, comfortable, supportive space for people to be how they feel, uh, if they're vulnerable, if they're unaware. I mean, I think there's just so many layers and levels of things that can be understood. You know, I think as coaches, we're a little bit older. You know, I got five decades and I call myself a Title IX baby because I can see some of the changes in a positive sense, but we still know in the real world we have a long way to go. So I think you just create that space and you let people voice how they feel and you discuss and you work through it. Because there's no answer for it. There's no playbook for any of this. <laughs> uh, and I think you just, you know, approach it that way. We're visiting with Pokey Chapman. And uh, I just really appreciate what you've had to say so far. When I, you picked up the phone, you said, you know, I'm doing well as can be expected. And I'm approach, approaching it with a positive attitude. Tell me a little bit about how you develop that and how you try to carry that through every day. I, I think sometimes... You know, some of the tough times that you experience at a young age, you kind of build up this reserve to deal with things. Uh, it doesn't uh, knock you off course for a long period of time. You know, it may hit you, but you you have this full metal jacket on to where you can recover from things. So you built up this resistance to certain things. Uh, I think that's part of it. Another part of it is I, I've been fortunate to surround myself with some quality people starting with the first head coach in my life, who was my mother. <laughs> she was the head coach of the household. Uh, and just watching her uh, just go through some tough situations and working three jobs, but always um, having a positive mindset and always providing for us and being able to get on track. And, and I also think sports helps that because we're always fortunate enough to have people who come from similar backgrounds in terms of the team aspect. So you can always go to your teammate. You kind of have some of those same struggles. You know, you may not always agree on certain things, but you're, you're normally there for each other. So I think that's a big part of it. But then, you know, my thing is, why the hell not try to be positive about it? Now, I'm not talking about Pollyanna. Oh, you know, kumbaya, everything's going to be okay. But at the end of the day, I just like to approach things half full because I can keep my energy focused on the right things. Good stuff for sure. You bring up just trying to move things in a positive direction. I, I don't know how much you are just locked into social media. I'm just checking it all day, which I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing right now, but it has made me so emotional. How do you think that these times we live in when we're all so connected, when we can hear everybody's thoughts and opinions, how might that help right now? Well, I think it helps because it forces people who have not had to live it, look it in the eyes. I didn't need George Floyd murdered on television to feel the way I feel. 
because he hadn't been, maybe we get in certain spaces and we have to shrink what we think because it's not comfortable for people. Um, and, you know, it, it's interesting you, you, you asked this because, uh, you know, there's some uncomfortable conversations being had, but it's not uncomfortable for me because I've had to live it and, and I'm not making light of it. Uh, so I, I think these times you think about COVID, you think about the lack of leadership from a federal level. Uh, I'm not, I'm not into, I don't be a politician or anything like that, but just so you know, you move forward by your experiences. So I have my experiences that helped me be at a certain place. Uh, COVID is going to force some people to be in a certain space and place. And I'm, I'm glad people are on social media because I've had friends who I love and adore and they don't quite understand the role they could play in making this better. But I think it's opening their eyes in that regard. So, you know, I have to live it. Uh, and hopefully that, you know, people will pay attention. And, and when we go back to our normal, uh, that we can have some actionable steps to make things better, even though they may be uncomfortable. Tell us about where you grew up, what the racial makeup was was like and and mm-hmm. how that affected you. Uh, I I grew up in a little town of Ama, Louisiana, probably 3,000 people. Uh, And that that little town may have not been representative of my state, uh, where we make up, you know, 30% of the population, but 70% of the COVID-19 deaths, you know, so that's the the opposite end of that spectrum. But, uh, you know, growing up, I'm so thankful that I had sports. And not that it shielded me from anything, uh, but it opened me up and exposed me to so many different ways of thinking. It exposed, you know, my upbringing and my beliefs to other people. So I always feel like we're ahead of the game with with the sports in, in terms of having understanding. But I, I I can tell you that over the years, you realize that that understanding is not as deep as we all hoped it would be. And, and I say that because listen, prior to this phone call, you know, I think everyone's has seen Drew Brees' interview. And I've got people calling me and it's on social media and, uh, you know, just just his commentary and his opinion on taking a knee and he feels it's disrespecting the flag. And that is a reminder, an aha moment that, listen, it doesn't matter how far we've come, we still have a long way to go in terms of both sides understanding the why behind the what. And there definitely is that. And I can admit that for myself along the way. I just don't always get what's going on. And I have got to be better about that and educating myself right off the bat rather than after the fact or rather than, you know, it takes something like a George Floyd or something like that in order to open my eyes. And so it's it's very, very challenging. And I hope it is uh, for everybody out there. And, and we make that true change. Um and I think we will. I think we will. Well, I, I'm looking forward to that. And I, I just I love that you said that as you move forward in, in in your career from high school on to playing at LSU. Uh, tell us about your earliest memories of being on campus at LSU and um, how you were treated as one of the the best student athletes on campus at that point. You know, I mentioned it earlier, being in that um, uh, bubble sounds negative, but it was a positive thing, uh, be- being in the sports world. Mm. We also understand that there's some privilege that comes with that. 
um, and, and, and in terms of the, the platform and being accepted and you, you play a sport that so many people lay eyes on, you get that. But I, my, my earliest memories, they were good. You're doing your thing. You're trying to make a way. You're so excited that, man, I'm going to LSU on a scholarship uh, because that would have been the only way I would have gotten there, athletic scholarship. You know, I didn't have a 4.0. I wasn't on the dean's list. <laughs> uh, I did okay, but sports was the vehicle. And so that's what I concentrated on. But in doing that, I also concentrated on being who I was as a black female from a little small town. And and I'll give you some context. You know, my, you know, my mother side of the family, they have, they have white, they have, you know, French. They, they're, they're a little bit mixed with a little bit of everything, right? So my mother used to always say, you know, I wasn't black enough. I wasn't white enough. I got my ass kicked from both sides, you know, and she say that just meaning like you just love everyone. And so that's what seed was planted with me, you know, and it's not that I didn't see color. I saw it. I just didn't treat it any differently. So that helped me to be who I was, but also respect other people. And then you go in that basketball loop and you're feeling pretty good, then you hit the real world. And then it hits different. <laughs> because let's be honest, you're in that collegiate basketball world. I mean, it, it prepares you for a lot, but not uh, some of the tough things in life. What are some of those tough things that hit you that you wished you would have been a little bit more maybe prepared for, but at the same time, you had to kind of learn on the fly, and uh, and now you're an expert in it? You know, is there anything that comes to mind in that sort of way? Yeah, I, I don't think I'm an expert at anything. It's just one of those things where it's about uh, how time changes certain things and just having an awareness about more than just the basketball. I was fortunate enough to play for Sue Gunner and don't misunderstand me. She wanted to win and it was about winning, but she just exposed us to a lot. You know, like she would expose us to, you know, you know, Dr. King when it wasn't the cool thing to do. That's who she was. And so you just exposed to certain things at an early age. But then you realize, hey, I, I am from the South. I'm not knocking the South. I love where I'm from. But I understand it's not always looked upon favorably from the rest of the world. You know, I can remember battling that in, in, in recruiting. When I was recruiting players to come to LSU, you know, there's, you know, areas of the country that, you know, feel that we're a little bit behind the rest of the world. So you battle that. So that's your introduction into it uh, in terms of where the rest of the world sees you. So, you know, it's just some of those things. I don't think it was, you know, I wasn't ignorant to a lot of things, but you're just not exposed to it. But I think when I was exposed to it, I was maybe a little bit more prepared to deal with it. Very, very interesting. I, I You know, you were a longtime assistant at, at LSU and then, of course, became the head coach as well. In your relationships with players and just trying to help them grow as people, doesn't even have to be from the, the you know, the racial aspect or lessons right. or stuff like that. You know, what do you think you specialized in as far as helping these kids through a very interesting time in their lives when, you know, kind of like you were uh, when you went to LSU, you were uh, you were learning things about the world. Right. And, and I'm glad you, you framed it like that, because, you know, being in that sports environment, it was never really about the race. You know, the race didn't play a role. And I think that is what has helped so many athletes understand positions in both sides and not afraid to speak up. And I, I was OK with that. Uh, it wasn't really about that. But I think some of the areas is, you know, just in terms of 
being communicative uh, with players, but also having players understand that, you know, I, I wasn't the number one player in my class coming out. I had to work for it. You know, I was had always been told I was a good listener. Uh, just some of those things that, you know, people are having these nice quotes about nowadays. I was fortunate enough to be around a mother and coaches that kind of instilled that in me. And then just helping those players understand how that ties into everything else from class to tutors, to navigating the interview, to presentation of yourself, uh, the advantage you'll have when you go out to the real world and maybe your GPA, GPA may only be a 3.0, but because of all the other aspects you have being in this team environment, how you can parlay that into something really special. So the basketball part was the easy part, honestly. So do you have any favorite projects over the course of your career, either as an assistant or a head coach at LSU, where you think back, you know, when that girl came in, she didn't really get it. But when she left, she got it. And I helped wow. her get there. Can you think of anybody oh, like that? Uh, oh, no. You know, listen, I was fortunate to to, to coach so many. I, I could name a ton of them. And, and, and I'll say this from a standpoint because she's a player I just recently talked to in the last 10 days. Um, Marie Ferdinand Harris. Now, Marie Ferdinand Harris. Uh, played at Miami Edison, came to LSU, drafted All-Star, the whole nine. Now she has a nonprofit, doing a lot of great work. And I think about her because, you know, the basketball, she she became a really good basketball player. But seeing her navigate life after basketball, finding her voice, uh, really owning and understanding who she was and the things that she was open to, it's never really the coaches as if those players are going to be open to that. And I just think about Marie because she was this quiet little Haitian girl from Miami. Didn't, in my opinion, didn't embrace her heritage like she needed to, you know, uh, just because, I don't know, she would shrink herself. And now she's this proud mother of three doing some really great work. But there's just so many stories like that. I mean, look at Simone. And of course, everyone talks about Simone Augustus and her great basketball playing. But then she does a lot of charitable stuff back in her community. Uh, she handles her business in terms of her life after basketball. But it, it was just so many. I was just, a, I don't know, a conduit to what was next for them. I was lucky. And it's not nice of me to ask you to point out individual players like that. But exactly what I'm talking about, just, right. uh, you know, the, the growth. And, you mm -hmm. know, you've got to have pride, kind of like, uh, I don't know, you, you've got all these kids out there. You're a mom and you got all these kids out there. You've got right. all pr pride right. in so many of them. How how many players uh, of your former players, uh, whether it be uh, college or, or in the pros, reach out to you on a consistent basis? Is it just a, kind of a constant flood of texts and phone calls every day or how does that work? Well, I don't know if it's every day. You know, here's why it is probably more than the norm. It's just because of the different areas I coach, because then there's the European part of it. You know, so I, you coached in Russia, right? but you have a team that has a ton of uh, other foreigners on, not just Russians and Americans. You have Serbians and Croatians and the whole nine. So I think the pool of players that I've coached uh, over the last 30 years is so much. So you got the college kids, you know, you have the, I coached the Slovakian national team. You have that group, you know, from Russia to Chicago to Indiana. So I think it, it probably speaks to me getting a little bit older <laughs> and, uh, you know, just being available to them. But the, the thing is, look, you pride yourself on being real with those players. And and I, I, and they may not understand it at the time, but it's so nice when they come back and say, man, I wish I would have 
I wish I would have gotten it the minute you, you said that to me. You know, it takes sometimes it takes them a little while to, to understand where you're coming from. But, uh, you know, I'm in contact with a lot of them. You see something in them that they don't see in themselves, that potential. So yeah, to speak. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's potential in a lot of areas. You right. know, I always tell them, I said, listen, I'm a point guard on the court, but I'm a point guard in life as well. And sometimes you, you see this big picture. And uh, sometimes it's your blessing and it's your curse, <laughs> but uh, and and it's always coming from a good a good place. So uh, I'm fortunate to have coached some man, some tremendous players, Olympians, all stars, uh, and players that you know were barely on the team that has impacted my life. Absolutely, you've certainly left your mark. You know, you've had a few months now to kind of think about you know what's next. I'm sure you get that question every every day. <laughs> you know. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so, uh, but this has just been such a rough time for all of us for so many right. different reasons. Are you almost glad that you've got this pause, not knowing that a pandemic was coming, but uh, are mm-hmm. you almost glad that you had this pause at this point in your career? You know, uh, I, I won't say I was happy. I was fired in September, <laughs> you know, uh, but I like the way you phrased that question. Uh, it's, it's one of those things like, I'm I'm not mad about it. I'm not upset about it. I, I understand it. Uh, and it's given me time to, uh, and it's also tied into, I turned 50, you know, last year. So it's one of those things where you always do this reset, you know, five years from now. So I was in that mode anyway. So I think in a unique sort of way, uh, maybe this is me being positive, uh, it's given me some clarity on some things has given me some time to really uh, look into uh, myself and get better and be ready for the next opportunity, but also to spread my wings. So uh, uh, I'm not happy about how things came about. And I'm, I'm really hating that we can't see what's going to happen in the next week or so. You know, that waiting game is tough, but, uh, you know, I'm taking it in stride. No, I, I hear you completely. And you're also, um, you know, not part of a WNBA franchise for the first time in a while at a point where, you know, they're trying to figure out whether or not they would play. I'm interested to get your opinion. I mean, how would you be feeling right now if you were the head coach somewhere and you can't start the season? It's completely out of your control. It's a short season anyway. Are you would you just be rooting to get in as many games as possible or would there just be a point where you're like, you know what? This year, we just got to, I feel so bad saying it, but just got to kind of throw in the towel for this year and concentrate on some other projects as a league. You know, I I hate to say it. You know, when this first happened, I remember exactly where I was when the NCAA canceled the Final Four in New Orleans. My mind immediately went to the domino effect of that, you know, and let's just get real. The WNBA plays in the summer, and it's always been a tough window to compete in. Uh, the whole financial piece to it. So you, you, you have that angst knowing that you're going to be last on the list to get resolved. And that's not a knock. That's not negative. Uh, it's just the reality of things because there's so many things before that has to come and be figured out. Uh, the logistics is more money, the, the whole, every aspect of it that we don't want to talk about. So that was my first thought. And then as, you know, a few players would call and they're wondering, oh, we're going to get paid and the whole nine yards. So, yeah, I mean, it's scary. And, you know, if 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 I was a coach of one of those teams, it's like, what, what can you really do but sit and wait, uh, prepare for the worst and, and hope for the best? Because that window keeps shrinking. 
Um, and I know a lot of players are, you know, concerned about that. This was brought up to me uh, today, and I I, th- I just thought it was an interesting question. Just It's kind of broad, but I just want to bounce it off of you. Because the WNBA is such a great league, such a forward league in that opportunities for women and equalities for women, and then obviously that uh, goes right to, um, you know, racial equality and, and racial justice. What what would you like to see the WNBA do in this time to try to hammer home some of the lessons that, that we're learning? How do you think that the WNBA can can help in this moment? That's a good one. Um, I will say this about the players of the WNBA. They've always been forward and strong in their convictions about how they feel about certain things. And through their players' union, they would they would communicate, unite, you know, and, and make sure their message is heard. And, you know, sometimes they came at the expense of lost sponsors, you know, and I say that because the year before I took the job in Indiana, that team took a knee. The next day, the franchise lost over $100,000 in sponsorship, right? It's navigating that space. You know, you know, maybe that same response is not had if you're in L.A., New York, or Chicago. That's not a knock. That's just the state of where we are, right? So in terms of the, the players have always been forward, and um, I think the league is trying to catch up to that. But then they have to be careful as, w- as well. I'm not condoning. I'm not criticizing. I'm just being honest. You know, someone emailed me a couple of days ago, and why hasn't the league made a statement? And I'm like, look, I'm not in the league anymore. You know, they're, they're, the, they're trying to figure some things out. Uh, and I, I think they, the, the WNBA has a record in terms of the grades that they get for employing, you know, women, women of color, the whole nine yards, they've done really well in those marks. So, it, you know, I would hate to erase some of the good works that they've done if just because they didn't come out with a statement quick enough for everyone's liking. But, uh, you know, I think it's one of those things where just stand solid and be strong in, in, in how you detest what's going on right now and, um, you know, move that message forward as we navigate COVID, bring the players union and a, a league closer together. Pokey Chapman is our guest, and uh, man, we've covered a lot of great ground in just 30 minutes. It's uh, pretty incredible. So how are you passing your time right now during this time? You know, the, the biggest thing is working on me. That's always fun to do. Uh, I, I might be the Zoom queen by the time this is over with. <laughs> you know, all these Zoom uh, meetings and stuff like that. I told someone, you know, to, to, say, uh, to say I'm not working. I, I've been busier than ever, but in a good way, because you're always exploring different areas. You know, you want to get better as a coach, as a leader, as a friend, and all those areas that's not just related to your job, that's related to you. Uh, so, I mean, I, I spend some time with family. Of course, I'm trying to work on some basketball stuff, uh, trying to give back to my community here in my way. It's not a matter of, you know, anything on a grand scale, but, you know, I'm hardly ever here. Uh, so just doing some little stuff around here, um, you know, helping some some teams out. There's some coaches in college that I'm good friends with that are, you know, trying to get through these times and having conversations with them, helping them navigate. So, um, you know, I've been keeping busy with that type of stuff. Outstanding. And you mentioned that you're working on yourself. Have you have you read any good books lately or learned anything new or origami or, you know, taken up a new hobby or anything like that? You know, <laughs> a friend turned me on to I'm listening to books right now, you know, uh, 
That's my favorite too. I'm I'm a Look, I'm a book listener rather than a reader. That, that's yeah, that's me. It's crazy, and I and I used to get to the point where I wanted to have a book in my hand, but now because you've been shut in so much, I also want to get out and 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 walk. You know, get some exercise in, so I can always listen to a book. But uh, you know, I've always been pretty decent with my 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 calm and my calm app and a little zen and a glass of wine here and there. But uh, nothing major. Nothing major that's new. Uh, maybe, maybe some vegetables that I'm trying to grow at my house, but uh, just taking it easy, but also just working on myself, connecting with some people that inspire me. And personal connections, nothing better than that. That's for sure. You're right about that. Coach Chapman, thank you so much for your time today and talking about some very difficult subjects with us and doing it with Grace. I just really appreciate you uh, being a guest on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. It means uh, a lot to us. Thank you. No, I appreciate what you guys are doing, and I love the work that you do. So continue. Appreciate you. There's Pokey Chapman, the former head coach of the Indiana Fever, here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. Again, just so many thanks for her time during this unsteady time in our nation. But like I told you last week, and... I feel like I've been seeing more and more of this. I want to make sure that people know I feel this way too, that while 2020 has sucked, there's no way around it, right? To this point, it has really stunk. We're not even halfway home in 2020. We can make a real change. We can make a positive change. We can win this battle against racism, against hate, against brutality. We can win the battle against coronavirus as a country and globally as well. And we can come out somehow better on the other side of 2020. And 2020 can be the year that it all changed. Let's concentrate on that change. And let's concentrate on making the rest of 2020 a year to remember for a positive reason rather than the first half, which seems like it was full of so many negative things. Like I said, we've got more podcasts coming up. Jalen Mitchell, the head coach of the University of North Texas women's basketball team. Really good conversation with a good friend there. I'm looking forward to bringing that to you. And then as well as Sue Samarau, the head coach of Florida State, FSU reached out during this time and said that Sue really wanted to talk about this subject. So we got into the nitty gritty of all that it takes to talk as a Caucasian coach to a team made up of predominantly African-Americans, what it takes to listen during this time. I mean, really good conversation. And so be looking for that in the next week or so as well. The executive producer of the Her Hoop Stats podcast is Aaron Barzilai. Our announcer is Susie Solis. And our music by Jared Deck, jareddeckmusic.com. I'm your host, John Little, reminding you at the Her Hoop Stats podcast, we are unlocking better insight about the women's game. Her Hoop Stats.